0: G'day and welcome to the Greening Gold Rugby Podcast 204. Your host here, uh, Matt Rowley. I've also got Hugh Cavill with me tonight, evening, and also for the first time, long time listener, first time contributor, Andrew Muller. Hey, mate, how are you? Very well, thanks, mate. Good. All right, mate, look, um, we're also, just in case you don't know, I think there's thousands of people, no doubt, uh, kind of tuning in by now on Facebook. Um, this is our first, it's a couple of firsts, to, well, I say they're first, but you've reminded me, Hugh. Actually, we've done a few. I was going to say it's the first time we've done a face-to-face um, sort of podcast, but casting our minds back to 2011, we've done this before, haven't we? Yeah,
1: we we did a few from our um, camper van on on the um, Great Crusade over in New Zealand for the World Cup, but um, I don't think it was as, as good a setup as this. And, and uh, yeah, I think it was in the, the huddled. Huddled in a corner of a van in a caravan park down somewhere on the South Island. So, it's is probably
0: a better setup. Wearing wet clothes, if I remember. It was just, it just pissed down pretty yes. much that whole time, didn't it? Um, and everyone seems to remember, um, including Andrew, the drunken one, but there were some ones that weren't They weren't all drunk, those podcasts.
1: Yeah, I think some, somewhere in the 204 we've done so far to this date, there have been some sober ones that, that actually had some good content. You even uh, managed to do some video interviews, too, from memory. That's right. right. We oh. did, didn't we? Yeah. The Russian bloke in Nelson, remember that? <laughs> yeah. That was
2: great. The <laughs> anyway. yellow-foamed uh, microphone, yeah. It was, yeah. indeed. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, so this will be testing. We'll, we'll, we'll see who the long-time... Listeners are who kind of remember uh, way back then, but anyway, things have moved on, um, and actually, things have moved. On. We've got a sponsor tonight, and actually, no. I haven't even told you guys who this no, is. Not? I? <laughs> no, you have not. Okay, so that explains a- the Mercedes that's parked out the front <laughs> of this, isn't it? Well, it could. Well, you know, this is all starting to add up because our sponsor tonight, actually, this week, was um, named as one of the top twenty-eight tech startups in Silicon Valley to watch, uh, and it's called Sporple.
1: Yes, this is the Drew Mitchell enterprise.
0: Indeed, um, so Matt, Matt, and Matt Cole, Cole yeah, yeah. And, and and Drew Mitchell. These guys yeah. have been working at it for a couple of years now. Um, basically, the whole idea of Sportpool is sport pool is it creates a marketplace for rugby players. But the thing that's been interesting I've been talking to Matt about recently is to start with, you probably thought this meant that you needed to be a pro rugby player. Um, but what they're finding is that a lot of guys are using it. Um, so, for example, Linfield Subbies Rugby Club have used it yeah um and they're finding players that way uh and I know half the shoot shield clubs are using it um if you're a player it's free you go on but i mean and if you go on there, you'll see that there are clubs like in Boston, you know different places in Europe, different places around australia it's not necess- you know it's not necessary for pro rugby players it's if yeah. you want to go play somewhere else or if you're like a Linfield subbies and you're sick of trying to pinch the guy from across the road in Rounga. Uh, and you want to look a bit further afield, you go there. I think uh, I have to get in touch again with Matt about the uh, revenue structure there, but basically it's free to go on if you're a player, um, and I think it's really, from what I understand, it's really effective for clubs. So sign up if you're a player, if you're a club, and you're thinking where are we going to find that next guy who's going to make an impact, go and have a look as well. Um, Sporple, sporpl com. And uh, thanks for those guys for um, dropping some of that sweet... Uh, sort of (laughs) West Coast States cash um, um, with us. Um, But look, we're going to get stuck in. We're we're, going to keep going with the format we've been trialling, which is the uh, burning questions. Um, The questions we're going to have this week. We've got, number one, uh, what's wrong with the Waratahs this season? We're going to talk about that. And on the weekend... Was it that the Waratahs were that shit, or were the Rebels actually pretty damn good? I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that. Number two, with our super teams failing, should we be worried about the Wallabies? We're going to chat about that. Number three, uh, Sean McMahon v. Michael Hooper, the race for Wallaby 7. Where's that at? Uh, and number four, with the Wallaby wider squad assembled for the first time. So we're going to post, Hugh's got a cracking Instagram photo, um, which we'll post... Uh, together with the podcast of the boys playing topless tennis. Topless tennis, yeah. Topless Tennis Tuesdays, I think, was the theme today in Wallaby
1: Camp. So that's, uh, so, yeah. Okay,
0: so yeah. we'll be talking about that. But anyway, this is the first time that the wider squads kind of got together for one of these kind of get-togethers that um, Czech puts on. And there were some interesting guys who were there. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll talk about what do we, how, how do we think the squad's evolving, who do we think are the bolters, and, and uh, who, who would be our tip. With that to give it, get a shot against England, and then the final question—I don't know if it's so much of a question—but it's just a bloody hell. The stuff that's unraveling down in Canberra. Um, just have a little bit of a chat about that. Wayne Smith wrote about it in the Australian today. Um, if you, you know, if you can get hold of a, a look at that article, because. Um, it's a scorcher, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then, look, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work. We've got a line into Andy Friend um, with the Sevens. They're training today over at Honkers. Um, they got there yesterday, so we're going to see if we're going to put a call into him and have a bit of a chat about how those guys are going um, ahead of the Hong Kong Sevens. So, with that in mind, let's go back to the top. Um, what's wrong with the Waratahs this season? Are the wheels falling off, or um, can we all just. Um, not panic yet, Hugh. Where are you on this one?
1: I'm probably the latter. I don't think we should be panicking yet. I, look, they're certainly not the team they were last year. They're not the team they were in 2014. That's no doubt. And look, probably not going to make the finals. But I, I don't think they're a disaster. Um, they've just obviously lost a few class players. I've lost a class coach. But I think the thing to me about the game on Saturday, the thing that the Sunday, sorry, the thing that stood out to me was they're just lacking that. That physical dominance they've had in the last few seasons, those forward ball runners, you know, hitting the ball up hard, getting them over the game line, and giving Bernard Foley um, some space to operate. And that was the thing. The, the Rebels were just um, powering over the top of the Waratahs um, in attack and defence, and the Waratahs couldn't get any go forward at all. Um, and looking at their season more generally, uh, I, I think they got close to the Highlanders, who it turns out are a really good side. They got close to the rebels and you know, if they have score a late try in in one or both of those games, all of a sudden instead of being two and three, they're three and two or they're even four and one. And and they push the Brumbies pretty hard in Canberra as well for that matter. So I, I don't think they're you know, they've dropped right off. I think they're just one or two steps below where they were last year and and with with the drop off in players and the drop off that they've had It's probably understandable, but um, it's going to see them outside of the files
0: this year, I reckon. Okay. Well, look, just before I come across to you in a second, Andrew. um, So, you're kind of telling us that it's, you know, hold on our hats. It's all going to be rosy here. Um, I've got a a bunch of guys here. So, we asked for burning questions, and by far, this was the one that everyone else was asking. So, Andrew Logan, who's written for us before, also writes on some other uh, websites that you can find in Australia. His question was, is Daryl in trouble? Lack of intensity and execution. Um, claims of poor quality scrum training. I've got to say, that one kind of made me go, ah, oh, that's interesting. Because yeah, that was Ben Robinson's on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And then you're kind of going, whoa, so for that to get into the press is a weird one, right? Because um, it's also sort of saying, it's less than what we were doing last year, by the sounds of things, because it sounds like it's comparative. And you've got to say, I mean, we're seeing the results. But anyway, claims of poor quality scrum training from the players themselves. And then um, heaps of first points against uh, first half points against them, which seems to be a recurring theme my son is wondering if this is a new tactic that we have to always try and get out of tra- um, jail i have got to say um, Andrew Brogan um, another question again his, his thing was um, I'd ask with the defeat of the rebels should the tars focus on blooding new talent uh, Chris um, Kowalik, I think I hope I've got your name right there mate um, are the Melbourne rebels good or are the Waratahs that bad uh, and then Lloyd um, is, a, is a real follower on Twitter. What's wrong with the Waratahs? They look lost, kind of moved away from checks ammo, um, but, they, um, but they don't look like they have a plan. So, look, this is overwhelming. Um, Andrew, where are you going to go? Are you going to keep sticking up for them like you? Oh Look,
2: no, I think the last comment that you mentioned, Matt, is actually really pertinent because for me, for the Waratahs, there is really a psychological edge that's been missing this year. And, um, you know, I, I think we can put it, you know, a lot of people want to put it down to, you know, passes coming behind and the ball skills not being there and so on. But to me, I think if you've got that psychological edge, like what Czech did with them over the last few seasons, you could turn a, you know, a, a, a subby into a heroic at the tar level. Yeah. It, it means so much to their game and their skill set. Um, any team, and we all know that. Um, and I think that... You know, and off the back of I guess having him right up there, taken to the pinnacle of rugby. Nine out of the match day twenty three were Waratahs in that World Cup rugby final on October thirty. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot to come down off that mountain, and then also not have check in the in the hot seat as he was last year at the Waratahs at that level. Yeah. So I, I really think you know maybe that goes away to explain a little bit about. You know the Ben Robinson comment as well. Like it just seems that there's this uh, dissatisfaction amongst amongst the team, and I don't think that's Darrell's fault. I think he's inherited a dynasty, mm. and maybe you know that's a pretty steep mountain to to come off when you weren't seen as the man at the top of that dynasty.
0: Yeah, and well, the, the other bit I was going to say, look, I'll, I'll feed you guys. Uh, a little bit more there. I mean, look, I, I think I talked a couple of podcasts ago. Like, I when I had a trip to Warica, Waratahs HQ, and like, there's this wall where they've got all these. Um, it's it, you know, kind of um, it's kind of murals. Uh, each year they had a different mural where players were putting up things that meant things to them. And this was whole Czechs doing all these symbols of how they were going to play. And um, you saw that finish about halfway through last year as Czech went to the Wallabies, and he said himself, "I just didn't have time for it anymore." Um, and uh, you know you can read into it what that meant to the Waratahs, and obviously this year that's gone. Also gone, though, um, to give you a bit of help here, Hugh, is a whole bunch of players. I mean, yeah. you, you look at that team that played on on Saturday, and look, I'm going to open up in a second um, and and talk about what I saw. I went to the game, um, but you look at that team, and that was like a kind of even for this season. It was it's, it, that's a B string Waratah side, would you say?
1: Look. Yes and no. I mean, they've still got the Wallaby-Halves pairing there in in Phipps and Foley, and they've still got Israel Folau, and they've still got, you know, I mean, there's class in that team. It's not like they've become, you know, dare I say, the Western force. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, they haven't dropped off a cliff. This team, as I said, you know, pushed the Brumby's hard in Canberra. They've they've beaten the Reds twice. They've, you know, they've been in all of their games in the last five minutes. They just haven't converted. It's not like they've dropped off a cliff and they're losing by 40. Mm -hmm. They've just now with no Ashley Cooper no Potgieter no Kepu, you know all of these established stars um, and there's a few more I, I've missed there even the squad guys like Peter Beetham and Naya and mm. Stephen Hoyles and these guys that are around the team um, they've just had that uh, drop off of a couple of notches and that's all count all it takes at this level mm. you know the the example is the Melbourne Rebels for example the last last time we played them in Sydney the Waratahs won 18-16 um, and on Sunday they lost 21-17. And I think that's pretty indicative of, of, you know, they've just dropped off five points a game, seven points, ten points, but that's all it takes in Super Rugby these days to become to go from a second-place team to a eighth or ninth-place well, team. Well, I
0: think the thing that Andrew said, though, which is really interesting, was, I mean, we were running out of parking. I had my son and my, my son's mate there, and we were running out of parking literally down to the last minute. We were up in Oxford Street, so we thought, oh, geez, we've got to get out. And so when... You know they went. The rebels went right down to our.
1: Oh, so you were one of these people that leaves early at a Waratahs. I was going to be. Well, hey, you're at a Waratahs game. You've got to leave early. <laughs> um,
0: so, so, I, so I was like, oh shit! Look, you know, I don't want to rack up a hundred and whatever a dollar bill. It is up, up there. So, I thought when they, when I saw them down there, and they were going to kick the penalty. I thought, oh, this is probably it. And then we were just hovering at the top. Yeah. And we we're just watching them work their way back down. And then Skelton made a bust and everything else. And we we're, we're sat there watching it. And um, and then they didn't make it, but the Waratahs of old mentally did, mm. right? The, yeah. the Waratahs yeah. of those last couple of seasons yeah. found a way to win that game mm. yeah. um, and didn't yeah. just knock it on or whatever else. Yeah, that's exactly So right. the mental thing, I think that was the ultimate expression of it, but the other bit that I would say that I just watched, and, and you, you see the Waratahs this season, you still see that same sort of... Uh, method of play where once they get a roll on they start making metres and they work their way up um, you look at the stats from the weekend they really dominated in terms of territory yeah. um, they just couldn't convert it into points and the bits that really just um, two things that I really noticed I was sitting end on behind the posts two thing was the woeful accuracy of the passing from everybody it's like they've been taught to pass at people's knees it was, it was a shocker um, and I mean it's just, that's just fundamental um, and, and so that was really crueling them, um, but the other bit was, the rebels just said, and Sean McMullen especially just said, I'll I'll do this all day, where they just had these one out runners, and it was a one out runner, and the second cleaner was never quite, and the, the first cleaner was never quite close enough, and McMullen was just like, I'm over the top of that, that's easy, um, and you know not scared to, to bring down a Will Skelton or whoever else. Um, and so whereas a couple of years ago they would work in pods mm-hmm. and you'd see like yeah. pot on somebody yeah. else's bum the, the
1: triangle pod structure they had with the three runners two options for the ball carrier yeah. three options for the halfback, it, it was really pronounced well this yeah.
0: time around it's just you, and you sit there behind the post and you can just see them strung out one on one on one and it's going to be one guy he might not be the first man out but he's going to take a one on one up hit mm-hmm. and they're just not getting anywhere and they're isolated and it's and it's and it's really slow yeah. are
1: there parallels here it just occurred to me between what's happened, what will happen, and let's hope it doesn't for his sake, but with Daryl Gibson at the Waratahs, and what happened with Richard Graham at the Reds, mm. where basically all the, well, what the Reds were trying to do was create Ewan McKenzie Mark II in Richard Graham, and yeah. it seems to me what, you know, That's I'm the not, fear, isn't you it? know, to do Michael Checker 2.0 with, yeah. with um, Daryl Gibson.
2: Yeah, that 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 is that is the fear. I've, I've thought of that you as well. I think I think, and sadly, I've thought of that because you don't want that clearly with what happened to, to Richard. But I think they, you know, when you talk about the structures that they had and how clear and confident it was, to me again, it it, it comes back to that confidence level of yeah. the team. I think they know. That that works for them as a team, and that they probably want to perpetuate it. But I'm just wondering the psychology of the person who cracks the whip again comes back to how well they actually effectively implement it in 2016 when he's not there. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see as as the season plays out. Look, for, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Tar fan. For me, I think I think if they can't get it, we're looking at a at a 10 to 12 place on the 18 ladder here. You know, we're looking at bottom of the, the middle order yeah. for, for the TARS. If they can't, because they're a good enough team, like you say, the talent is still there. There has yeah. been a huge exodus and the exodus has happened at management and it's happened at player level. But if they can if they can, um, you know, between Daryl, the the other management and the player playing group come together and find that confidence, they are like you say, Hugh, they're not they're not far away from actually putting together Really, their best performance of the season so far, even though
0: Mm. we're only six rounds in. Well, the bit so just to finish off on this on the TARS bit is the only thing is that you know, as the numbers start to work against them, Mm. I wonder whether the psychology will as well. So you go from the high of working with checks, and that's not there anymore, and then suddenly it's like, oh god, the season's stuffed, and you know, what are we playing for? And so, especially when you've been around with it, with a um, an outfit that 's been nudging the semis and 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 on a trajectory, and then suddenly it 's like season's over guys you know you 're not going to make I mean the rebels and the and the brumbies are already out ahead of you by a good um whatever it is now ten points or something mm-hmm. um, that psychology starts to work against you and mm-hmm. so it 'll be in- interesting to see whether they can keep that mm-hmm. going without their master. Um, psychologist, kind of, kind of, kind of leading them. But let's move on and talk a little, just a little bit there. I think we managed to piss off a few people on Twitter. Well, I, I did in a conversation I was in with some rebel um, followers saying, "Guys, come on, you know, give you know, credit where's, where credit is due." Um, how much do you put it actually that the you know the rebels just you know played a
1: great game? you? Yeah. Oh, they did. I mean, that that first half was the best I've seen the rebels this year, certainly. Um, um and a lot of it came from having Nick Sturzaker back in the setup. I think he's a huge um influence on how that team plays and just getting their go forward. But their forward pack were just fantastic. I mean Lapetti Tamani was great, Geordie Reed was great, um James Hansen, uh Sean McMahon, Adam T- I mean the whole the whole box and dice, they've got a really good 15 blokes assembled when they're all fit and firing and they're really hard to stop and they they pulled stumps a little bit in the second half I thought and let the Tars back into the game um but there's so much talent in that team you can just see there there's a touch of feeling like you're watching the Reds in 2010 that you know they've got enough talent there to really explode and they've got a 9 10 that could play for the Wallabies you know sooner rather than later um yeah look they're 4 and 2 now Their next three games um, I was looking at today, off the top of my head, I I can't remember exactly what they are, but I know they've got the Blues coming up, um, they've got a visit from the Stormers, and I think they've got um, potentially the Brumbies as well. Mm. Um, And I feel like if they can, they can probably jag two of those three games, and all of a sudden they're really in the finals hunt, but Mm. at the same time if they lose all three then you get the impression they might be back to square one,
2: but... If they do win those two games, and if the Brumbies is the third, that it sounds like it is, that would be a really interesting game,
0: because yeah. the tails
1: will be up. That's
0: right. Is, is
2: that in Mel- Melbourne? That's in Melbourne, yeah. yeah
0: terrific. Okay. Um, so, look, uh, let's actually move. I'm going to swip, sw- uh, switch around uh, one of these key questions, or, or burning questions, we we're going to talk about, um, and actually stay with this question. So... Is Sean McMahon ahead of Michael Hooper in the race uh, for for the Wallaby Seven jersey, Andrew?
2: Not at this stage. Time will tell. Um, fantastic uh, player um, des- deserves to be somewhere in that in that Wallaby mix. And on certain days, and one might assume that the incumbent Michael Hooper, um, should he be injured, then you'd, it's it's an easy like for like sort of in a way mm. um, swap for for Hoops. So. Um, I think though at this stage he's uh, Michael Hooper's assured short of a starting spot than all of these. Okay. Mate?
0: Yeah,
1: I think broadly speaking, I think Michael Checker will follow a rule and I think I'll follow the same rule that if you play in the World Cup final, doesn't matter how bad your form is, you're in against England. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think of that fifteen that, yeah, that ran on the field. Me, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, know, you you take that fifteen on the field, you take out Gitto and Mitchell, um, and potentially Kane Douglas given his injury situation. Um and then you put in the three... And then you leave the other 12 players as they are. Um, maybe we'll get in here. If he doesn't come back, you put Phipps in. But, uh, you know, Hooper, Fardy, Pocock. Back row sorted. Um, I think what they did in that World Cup, um, we shouldn't forget. And and you figure that Richie McCaw hasn't played a good super season in about nine years. You know, like he he just didn't turn on for it until the really late stages. Because he knew that... that um, you know, he had bigger fish to fry it. I get the feeling from a few players that that, that might be the case. And look, Michael Hooper, I think he's actually playing pretty well for, for a TARS team that's struggling, but um, Sean McMahon definitely beat him on, Saturday, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they play a really similar style, and McMahon's going to be sensational. It's just, um, I don't know how you fit them all in. Like, I, there was a story the other day saying that they might try and start McMahon, Hooper, and Pocock in the same back row. But to be honest, I don't think that would work because McMahon and Hooper are too similar. Well, I, I think
0: I wrote a, an article about that, is that you know I think rugby would explode <laughs> yeah. if you ever had those three people in the same back row. I mean, look, injury is one thing. There was a time uh, during the match, I think it was deep in the second half, where Hooper went down with a knock to the knee. And I, I can't remember seeing him go out with it. I mean, he, he's played yeah, so small. many minutes. He seems mm-hmm. to be... Uh, but I thought, wow, that would really change. That would put the cat amongst the pigeons if, if, if he was injured. And if it's not him or if it's David Pocock or if David Pocock's banned for the next eight months <laughs> um, because he almost ripped someone's head off. Um, we, we A lot of people have asked us about that. And actually, look, at the end of the day, I think the, the hearing's been going all day. We might check on Twitter in just a moment to see if anything's come yeah. out from it. Um, but uh, we weren't going to have that as a burning question just because we didn't have much to speculate on. There's a video that I think well, we might try and embed underneath the podcast so you can see it. Um, which is which is interesting. Um, it, it, it looks bad. My point is, on that one uh, with, with Pocock, is that... Pocock's got three weeks. He's got three weeks. There you go. Three. three. Okay. Yeah. So, that's somewhere so you know. he's only really going to
1: miss two games because i have got a buy The buy. Um, and yeah. of course, David Pocock will be out playing club rugby that week,
0: of course. So, so Although <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure that matters. Games. I think it's just the time, right? So I don't think it's about games played. I think it's about, you get from this date to this date, yeah. you can't play. Um... It's an interesting point, though, to come back to, because you've you've kind of sparked an
2: idea around number sevens, at some stage in their career, they're going to get injured, aren't they? Yeah. It's it's by nature of what they do. Whether it's the new seven or the old seven, with what you do by nature, you're going to get injured. So that will be an interesting context when he does, because we know McMahon, whoever races not to be injured first... It's, you know, if McMahon
1: doesn't, and it, it is Hooper, not that you wish that
0: upon yeah.
2: anyone, but well, it could be then McMahon's opportunity to really shine. And look what happened with Hooper
1: And that's in the day. Well, And that's it. That's how he got in because Pocock got injured and I think Liam Gill might have been injured as well and all of a sudden he's there and he was too resistful to ever
0: drop and we haven't dropped him since. Yeah. And
1: unfortunately, it never quite happened for Liam Gill. Yeah, of the stocks it was in the just a timing thing and yeah, it just never happened for
0: him. Well, look, I, I, I actually think... Um, there's something or there's somebody who I think could knock that balance a little bit. Um, but we'll come on to that because that comes in a, in a question later on. So, so let's keep moving. So, um, so that was Sean McMahon and, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Hooper. Um, now let's just take a break from the questions for a second. And, um, look, I asked you a few weeks ago for those guys who listen to the podcast, if you wouldn't mind going in and putting in, um, some reviews And I was, you know, thanks. I think that we had about seven new ones come in. So thanks for those people who did. Um, But we also had a cracker. So long time listeners will know that uh, we've been talking about the force, obviously, everything that's been going on with it. We've been talking about do we go from Western Sydney, from Western Australia to Western Sydney, and and discussing it as an issue. And I got the sense we were probably pissing off some people, and it it would appear we do. Because, Hugh, we got a. We we got a um, a podcast review, but what sort of score did he give us, and what did he say?
1: Well, he gave us one star, so that's not a great start already. Um, it's probably <laughs> at least one star short of where we actually are as a podcast. Um, but his comment is uh, titled "East Coast Elitist Boys Club." So
0: <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from. from comes with, out with swinging. the three of us sat here, yeah. <laughs> in Sydney,
1: <laughs> in the bunker, drinking craft beer, but going yeah. Um, Two years ago, this podcast provided a balanced view of the five Super Rugby Clubs. It now only reports on New South Wales, Queensland and ACT. With their willingness to promote the demise and relocation of the Western Force, I can no longer stomach listening to this elitist drivel. I recommend changing your name to Blue and Red Rugby to more accurately describe what's discussed. The Fox Sports Podcast is balanced and funny. And I recommend it to all true rugby supporters who love their team because it's their team. <laughs>
0: and there ends it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, you know, fair enough. Um, we've been having a, I guess some people could perceive that we've been having a go at a force, so someone's having a go at on back. I, was, I don't know if you, underneath that, can you see that? There, oh, there's one from Maddie JK um, who, who, came, who came back to him um, um, calling his comment, um, I think it was East Coast uh, Elitist Boys Club. Um, it's quite a witty comeback. but well, in- well,
1: you know my problem with that is the Force's colours are also blue. So if we change to blue and red for, for rugby, like that that's still still
0: covers the Force in my eyes. It's a, the sea of blue is the Western that's just force. That's just showing what you don't... Know. There's definitely a different name for the blue, the Force <laughs> yes, blue. Yes, so different. Um, and you yeah. just don't know what it is, which just shows your ignorance, I think, again. <laughs> um, but look, thanks to everybody who went in and... Uh, rated us and gave us a comment on uh, iTunes. If you haven't yet, if you get a chance it's really easy these days on the mobile. Um if you're especially if you're using um the podcast app. Um you can go it's straight in cool. there, I think. So you can do it straight away. Yeah. So actually Hugh, you can go and put one in right
1: yeah. now. Yeah. Um Sold uh, Three Stars. <laughs> I think that's fair.
0: Um okay, so back to our burning questions. Um, so, this was a cracker. With the Wallaby wider squad assembling for the first time, who is the one newcomer you would like to see given a shot um, against uh, England? Um, Andrew? Um, I think Jed Holloway. Oh, you bastard. You stole mine. I, um,
2: you know, you can never have too much lock stock. And I think at an international level, you know, they can drop like flies. And I think being a home series, what a great way to expose him, you know. And then, you know, he's going to be playing... At at least one of those tests, if he gets a, it, gets a call up, and it would be smart, I, I think, of check to actually call him up at Allianz when they roll out with that home crowd and introduce. I think Skelton was it against the French yep, yep, a year or yeah. two ago, and he had a, he had a blinder, he had, mm. a, he had a cracker playing in front of his, his home crowd. I think that's a it's almost a no-brainer in terms of a, psych, a psychological aspect for a coach. I think to probably mm. give someone like him his opportunity. So I think if he if he continues to um, you know, be performing and, and wanting and motivated in the way that he has been for these six rounds, I think I think we could we could well see him.
0: Well look, I, I thought there was a great tweet on the weekend from it's Scott Bryant, um, erstwhile known as one Coach, um, for the long time um, readers and, and, and listeners. And his, he, I think he made the tweet, I paraphrase, said something like, um, the only good thing to come out of Australian rugby so far this season has been Jeb Holloway's form. Mm. Um, and I think because, you know, finally we've got this, um, you know, a, a younger, um, and until his injury, uh, you know, I think this week, um, you know, fit, you know, guy who can do, what, you know, well, kind of what Cliffy Palu had done for all those years, except he yeah. seems to have just a bit more pace as well. He's a big unit. 116 kilos. Big, something. you know, big legs. He's skilled. Well, he scores tries too. I can't remember Cliffy Palu ever scoring a try, ever, ever.
1: Yeah. And he
0: scored Jed Holloway's. He scored, scored a hat trick on three, his. Dubu yeah. off the bench or whatever it was, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think. And so this was. I said earlier on, we were talking about the, uh, the McMahon versus Hooper discussion, and I think, you know, you put him into the mix, and suddenly you go, well, the mcmahon Hooper thing is a conversation because you assume Pocock's at eight, but I think Mm. if Holloway can replicate, you know, can keep this going and start to replicate, he plays a completely different role. Big unit, tall, I'm assuming we can use him as a a line-out option suddenly, and he's doing those different yards. I mean, Pocock's been doing an okay job, but he's not that sort of a runner. He's not that sort Mm. of a guy who can bust through... You know, um, really solid defensive lines, and I think that really shakes it up again to sort of say, oh, okay, so and then Fardy, where does he come in, and all the rest of it. So that's where I think it just gives mm-hmm. us a completely different option there, where we'd been juggling before. I think that puts even more pressure potentially yeah. on that that seven role. Um, but Hugh, w- um, who have you got? Well, before we do that, I'll, I'll just read
1: out this list of players that actually featured in the forty-five. No, we don't. There's not a list published, but. According to the telly, we had a few surprises. So Alan Alatoa from the Brumbies, um, Nick Sterzaka from the Rebels, Sefer Valu from the Rebels, um, wow. Carmichael Hunt and Eto Nabuli from the Reds, um, Tolu Latu, Dom Shipili, Lapeti Tamani, um, Angus Ta'Aval also featured. So there's one for uh, <laughs> yeah anyone who watched him on Sunday. So this um, is the, this
0: is this is the tight head for the for the for the Waratahs. Yeah. Stage. Look, I, I've been holding off because you know these guys do this for a job you don't want to kind of you know try and put them in a box too early Yeah. but he had a there's no other way around it he had a fucking shocker yeah. on, on, on saturday <laughs> those first two tries were straight up misses yeah and you could just see i mean and they were both straight in front of me because you know i was sat at that end and in both times he put, kind of did the old put his hand up above his head yeah sorry fellas and it was just like everyone's just like, what the? Heck? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. And and here's the thing. It's like, well, you kind of assume you're not there for your scrumming because that has been a disaster. Um, and we've noticed every time the replacement front rows come on, it's got a lot better. And then you know, open play. I mean, that as well. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's having a shocker. I yeah. Know.
1: Can, well, he gives away dumb penalties too, and and. I'll take a second to shout out to Angus who's watching us on the live stream. So, uh, Room <laughs> <from> for
0: improvement, <laughs> Angus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, look, I, I, you know, I think when they signed him, some Kiwis I know were pretty happy to see him leave and I think that was probably indicative that it might not have been a great signing and I think the evidence is probably... You know, he's not he's not horrible, but he's probably just not the bloke that we need starting at tight head prop. Um, anyway, can I get to my... He has been horrible. Quickly? But yeah, yes. Um, and it's not Angus Tava; it's actually Dane Hale at Petty. Um, and I know, you know, it's not fashionable in this podcast to recommend a force player, being our, our East Coast leaders that we are. Okay. But um,
0: it's against the rules, actually. Uh, but...
1: I actually, I I really like him as a sort of classic fullback, classic winger. Um, and he's just we um, will have the skills to complement the other winger, who I think will be Joe Tamani, um yes. in our team. And you know, the Wallabies have always favoured that. You know, one basher and one more skillful player, a bit like what the All Blacks have done um, and I think to fill that role of what Adam Ashley Cooper previously did, I think Dane Hale at Petty, mainly because he's got a hyphenated surname but also because um, he is looking great for the force at the moment. On, on the back of a back line that aren't actually getting a huge amount Of good go forward ball, I think he's really worth a shot for uh, Michael Checker.
0: Yeah, he's and I look. I'm not playing uh, fantasy, uh, but I mean, I think he's smashing it, isn't he? I think he's from what I've. I think he's doing quite well in the points. Um, Yeah, I
1: think he leads the comp in run meters or something like that. Oh, fantastic! Okay,
0: okay. So look, there you go. Um, There we are, uh, promoting people from the force yet again. uh, It's it's one of the faults we've got here. Um, So, (laughs) the final one was going to be... uh, So, here's our final burning question for the night. Um, Oh, actually... uh, We've got two more. Yeah, we've got two more. Okay. Um, So, with our super teams failing, should we be worried about the Wallabies? Uh, Andrew.
2: (laughs) I might be banging the drum, the Czech drum, tonight, but um, I don't think so. I think the logical conclusion might be to be rash and jump to that conclusion. But we are only actually six season six um, games in. And I think, um, you know, the check factor like at the Tars can't be underestimated. I mean, the fact that, you know, even just this Camp Cockatoo on Cockatoo Island in the middle of Sydney Harbour, which has just happened this uh, weekend and into early this week, um, with the essentially... You know, I, I think it was put down to as a, a bonding experience. So the psychology that checks getting into the team again and
1: starting to ingrain yeah. and build. Well, the they were, from last year. they were camping in tents, I think, on Kokosu Island. It was quite a military setup, I think they had out there. Yeah. So and top the tennis. Topless, tennis yeah. I'm not sure how that.
2: <laughs> That's legit. <a> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it might have been shirts on, shirts off, but no, it was all topless tennis. I I think um, I don't think that we we have to um, we have to be too worried. Uh, At this stage, what do you
1: think? Yeah, well, first out, shirts and skins, I'm not sure really you need to be in tennis because generally by what side of the net you're on, (laughs) you kind of can work out what team you're on. Looks good on Instagram, (laughs) though. That's right. Um, Yeah, look, I kind of agree. Look, I I think history's told us that the relationship between super rugby form and and form for national teams is pretty limited. As I said, some of the all-black guns would never warm up before you know, the the last couple of rounds, and, and um, there'd been some times when Australian super teams were looking sensational, and, and we could never put it together on the field against the All Blacks. I think, uh, you know, we love, obviously, everyone to be winning games, and, and the, you know, would, would never be a negative, but I think the talent's there in our team, and we showed that, um, you know, in the World Cup there, that we've got the side to do it, so I'm not too worried about the Wallabies at this point. If we start losing key players to injury... Um, that might might get a bit hairy. But I think for now... I don't know. I still... Again, trust Checker from the Rugby World Cup final. We've seen what he can do. We've seen the players. We know they can do it. So... I'm still the, the warm glow of the World Cups just still on me <laughs> well yeah, and, and
0: that's except that I couldn't bring myself to watch that final again oh, no, because it was yeah. there a bit of, there's a bit too much gap between the two teams. Yeah.
1: Got to watch that England game a few times though. yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to troll over that
0: one um, yeah so and, and I think that's probably the point in here is it's the gap between us and the Ki- and the Kiwis and the Kiwi teams is the problem and I think maybe what's elicited this question um, is is a what happened to the Brumbies? So I think you know, whilst the brumbies were trucking, we were kind of like, well, they've got most of the wallabies in them, so you know, and they've got Fardy and Pocock and da da da. So as long as they're going around, I think them getting a proper kick in the nuts, you know, on the weekend has kind of made everyone think, ah, that's that's not great news, right? And um, and, and one of the things I would just say about that though is, um, it's It was back to that Tars thing is that I was really surprised at, at a couple of things on the, on on in that game, was it Saturday night? Yes. Um, In that Chiefs-Brumbies game is that um, the Brumbies, they really, again, just like the Tars did actually, really stood off the breakdown. Didn't protect the ball. Um, You know, they had Pocock out wide in most of those those situations. I guess they thought maybe they were going to be able to get a pilfer situation um, out there. Um, Didn't necessarily happen. And, you know, and... Before you, before you knew it, there was another turnover, and yet again, a lot of those points we saw from the Chiefs were coming from turnover ball. Um, and uh, look, and I, and also let the Chiefs get get a roll on when they wanted to, you know, pick drive. Um, they, they, the Brumbies seemed to be feeding the Chiefs back three, which is always a really, really dangerous thing. So I just thought there was a bunch of things that the Brumbies did that were just tactically pretty dumb. Um, when, they did, you know, when they could have tied them more into a Brumbies game. And then the second thing was, and I don't know if this is because they have been on the road or whatever it was, but you know, line speed and aggressiveness and defence just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and, and the Chiefs just were like, wow, I can't believe I've got this much time. And you give those guys that time and they're going to tear you a new one. And then they had one of those nights where it all just worked and they did. Um, so i I guess the point i 'm trying to make is i 'm not sure that Brumby's result was necessarily about the talent. I think it was about a poor performance and some what looked to me some pretty ropey tactical decisions. Uh, I think the Waratahs are doing similar things, and I think if you take the best out of those two teams largely speaking plus some of the other um, talent that we 've got around the place, I think we 're still in the in the thing we 're still in the run. <sighs> My point is the bit that, and this is probably a question for another night, is how we make up that gap between us and the All Blacks. That was clear in that final, um, and we were the next best team um, in the World Cup, but there was a big, big fucking gap between us and them, um, which was clear to see on that night. And I don't know, you know how we kind of bring how we bring that back.
2: Just to add, perhaps some of the sharp focus that we're also putting on it this season is also the conference that we're sitting
1: in. Yeah, I oh, know.
2: We're in with them. Yeah, like this is this is what it's all about. Like I mean, I know there's six five four in terms of you know playing within our province and the New Zealand teams and and the other conference, but still, you know, we're we're looking at that table, we're looking at that conference table, and that's bringing sort of a sharper focus yeah. to the Kiwi comparison.
1: Well, and we're playing them more too. I mean, talking about the Waratahs and talking about the you know normally you'd see you get a couple of South African touring teams come through, and it was almost like a breather where you could. Chalk a win against the cheaters or a lions or someone coming through, and I think now each team might only have one home game against a South African team, yep. one home, one away, um, and so all of a sudden that that respite's just not there anymore, and you just have to play New Zealand teams. We, we don't get a break from those guys. Respite and, and,
2: and confidence kicker. That's, that's right. Tail that yeah, it gives you a...
1: as you you know mm. get the wind in your sails
2: to go into that harder game.
0: Yeah. But, but talking about conference schedule, so like MPH on Twitter has asked here. Um, his burning question: The super format. How do three Aussie teams have a bye this week? Yeah, it's
1: yeah. ridiculous. Well, Waratahs are
0: having their second bye.
1: How you they? know, and some teams haven't even had one yet. So they've got to now again, much like last year, play something like ten or eleven consecutive games. And God help them if they make the finals. Which, thankfully for them, probably they're not going to do. But I don't know who's who, who the bean counters are at SANZAR who are doing this, but. Yeah.
2: Is it just really a teething sense. problem of an, of this new setup, this now global competition that is Super Rugby? Is um, it is it just, you know, are we going to see in a couple of seasons, perhaps, maybe it, it's starting to wear? So. so you would
0: hope so. So well, I just don't know how you end up in a, in a competition that's driven by TV revenue. How you end up with a weekend? Yeah, True. The three three Aussie teams sat out. Um, it's a complete shocker. Yeah. Um, okay, look, let's, let's move on. So the final question we had, which actually we didn't have time to kind. Of We didn't really put it into the question. but And it's probably a repeat of one that we had a couple of weeks ago, actually, when we had Chris Dutton on, which is just WTAF is going on with the Brumbies. So if you haven't um, seen it, uh, Wayne Smith and the Australian, there could well be another article out. No doubt, Blocker Dutton's all over it as well. Um, There seems to be some pretty heavy leaking starting to come out of this whole situation now. So um, Michael Jones, who was supposed to be stood down, he managed to get an injunction against that. That injunction is still um, going on because basically the, the basis of that injunction was something like 1,200 pages of documentation that this guy gave over to the judge.
2: Yeah.
0: I think the judge is still kind of going through that. I think that was like a report that KPMG had put together. But the sort of stuff that's starting to leak out now um, around this whole situation is is that, you know, to boil it down, if you read this article from Wayne Smith, is he's saying that most estimates were that when uh, the Brumbies sold their training facilities, um, that anyone, everyone said they should have been able to pick up about 20 million bucks for it, mm. um, and that they would be able to go and uh, use facilities that were being offered at peppercorn rents. Um, and apparently there was a whole range of different uh, proposals put in and the proposal they took, which was, with, uh, it was at University of Canberra, um, wasn't even in the top 10. Uh, and what the Brumbies then managed to do out of their sale is they only actually managed to pick up something like $11 million rather than the 20 that a lot of people thought they should have got. And then $7 bucks of that 11 then went into building these facilities in a, on ground that they don't, even, they don't even own. And so the question now is why? Why on earth would they have done that? And who's involved in it? Um, you can, you can only speculate probably that, um, you know, this sounds like there's maybe some development shenanigans going on here, um, were strange decisions made based with people thinking that they might be able to make a buck out of something somewhere. Now who that is, we don't know yet. Um, that hasn't come out, but what has come out in this article was that apparently Michael Jones, when he got in there and basically opened up the, um, the filing cabinet, pulled this stuff out and went bloody hell, and went straight to the AAU, gave it to the high-performance... It's not the high-performance, the integrity manager, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, who's... He's ex-AFP. He had a look at it and went, whoa, 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 this is way above my pay grade. Then he gave that... um, They they gave that KPMG to kind of do some forensic accounting, and the KPMG went, this is above our pay grade, and gave it to the Australian Federal Police. Um, And that's where it's got to. Now, while that's all going on, so that's... uh, whether this is going to turn into criminal proceedings or not, we don't know yet. But while that's been happening, what the different club presidents working together with Michael Jones have done are now looking to bring a civil proceeding, I think it's against the board, um, to say that um, they've been dudded a bunch of cash that they should have got out of the sale um, out um, from those, uh, those old Brumby grounds and asking where is it all bloody gone because we're already running at a deficit. So this whole thing, I mean, we were just talking about this over a beer, Hugh, and I think you were like, wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... You just get the feeling that we're about to be hit by a tsunami here in terms of actually what happened and when the real story gets out. I just hope for the Brumbies' sake that, you know, either it's in the off-season or it's done in a way that doesn't affect them because, you know, the Canberra fans, you know, really only care about how the team goes on the field and, you know... um, they're really shaping up as a as a solid finals contender this year, and you know, as we know, when, when that happens, you need everything to be going your direction, and even the smallest off-field thing can can really derail you, um, have a have a pretty strong psychological effect. So, yeah, it speaks volumes, guys, doesn't it? About about you
2: know, sporting organisations as um, really sort of high-earning or just running really as sophisticated businesses. You know, it brings that to light for the everyday punter. I think as well around, you know, just how um, you know complicated business can be as well. And we know that this isn't going to be sorted out anytime soon. It's it's pretty clear from what you said, Matt, that right. this is going to be an ongoing uh, process and litigation process for 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 the Brumbies um, and for, for ACT Rugby. And um, it is unfortunate. I agree, Hugh, for those reasons that um, at a at a you know, at a fan base level that it's all gotta be dragged out in front of them whilst their team is trying, you know, mid season and, you know, if this was the year for the Brumbies to really, you know, have have their shot, um, it's unfortunate that it sort of all, all happened in, in twenty sixteen for them. But
0: I mean and, and but there's some detail in here that, you know, we were trying to get our heads around, which is so if Michael Jones had gone to the AAU and shared all this information Um, a a while back, right? And so they've all had a look at it. So it's not like this is only just new now to Bill Pulver. So he's seen this stuff from the very beginning. Um, So then we had this crazy situation when, just a few weeks ago, when Bill Pulver flies down, meets with the, was it the lead minister or whatever it is for the ACT, um, and with the chairman of the Brumbies, um, who seemed to have this conversation. The chairman then goes to this meeting of the board plus Michael Jones and tries to stand him down, which everyone's sort of saying, what does that even mean? How do you stand down a CEO? You either fire them or what? You can't, you know, it's not like they miss plane duties um, sort of thing. So um, anyway, so, you know, what happened? What was in that meeting? What What happened? Paul Vumunda. What what, what did they talk about at at Canberra Airport? Um, You know, between those three, you know, a member of the government, Um, the board of directors, the the chairman of the board and Bill Pulver. I mean, what did they talk about? So that the chairman of the board thought it was a good idea to go away. Now, I think you came up with, this is all wild speculation now, I think uh, you mentioned the theory, maybe Hugh, well, did they think that they just wanted to take Michael Jones out of this firing line or something? But from everything we've seen, there's huge animosity there. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that there was that. So you got to wonder what was Pulver's conversation. Because I'm not saying for a minute that he's on the inside of some deal or whatever. That, that's not my thing. My thing is what happened in that conversation? Like, was he saying, guys, Michael Jones is just, you know, flagging up what's, you know, you know how can you actually do that? And the, and the guy went away and tried to stand him down anyway. I mean, look, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, over the... I, I want
1: to believe everyone's trying to act in the game's best interest here. I mean, I'm, yeah, Especially Bill Pulver, I think you know. I want to hope that they're all just looking out for what's best for the Brumbies rugby. But the decision to stand down Jones seems a weird one, considering everything that's now starting to come out. Mm. But it's the one thing that doesn't really make sense in all of this. That appears to have been, up until that point, handled fairly appropriately, uh, considering how serious the allegations seem to be. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. mm. Agreed. Right. Well, look. um, That's it. That's it for the week. What games have we got this weekend? We ah, really well, yes. Uh, funny that you might ask that idea. Okay, I, do, yeah, I okay. do actually have that um, two-hand. I'll just shuffle through. Obviously, not many Australian yeah, games. Yeah, yeah.
1: Force and the Crusaders on Friday night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Force have a, have a surprisingly <laughs> good record against the Crusaders. <laughs> um, and actually, I think you'll find two years ago beat them in Perth. Okay. So coming off a win against the Crusaders last start in Perth, so stranger things have certainly happened. Thank you, team.
0: Yeah. Well, can I just say that the match before that is the Chiefs versus the Blues, so um, that could be messy, but I s- suspect there'll be plenty of tries in it. Mm-hmm. Um, into Saturday, um, early in the morning, three in the morning, you've got the Stormers hosting the Sunwolves, that the local derby. <laughs>
2: Oh, the little battlers, so I really want them to get it. I mean, what yeah. has it been like within five points of the last, like, since they Every started? game
0: they're getting
1: close. Every game.
2: Yeah. So, oh, you know, I was really hoping for a win over the Kings last week.
0: Yeah. And... Probably try, I think they're playing the Force in a few weeks, so I'll talk about it. There we them. go. <laughs> I ping, ping Ping needs to up his dose. He does. Um, okay, and then you've got the Canes um, hosting the Jaguars. Um, again, that's another team that you'd like to see do well. Uh, but then we've got... Well, we've got our second Aussie game of the of the weekend then, which is the Reds hosting the Highlanders. Um, the Reds at home. Uh, not looking good. Chris,
1: part of the Highlanders' draw is bizarre considering they've played three weeks. Waratahs in Sydney, Rebels in Melbourne, and now the Reds in Queensland. They're cleaning up the East Coast. For the... For the... For the um, East Coast defending areas. champions, yeah. Well, I mean, lovely to be on the East Coast because, as we know, it is Australia's <laughs> premier coastline. But um, <laughs> warm, sunny. Oh, it's got it all. Uh, Swimming.
0: Um, <laughs> not, not quite as many sharks. Well, speaking of the sharks, one o'clock in the morning Sunday, got the Sharks um, hosting the Lions. Well, can we talk about Reds Highlanders?
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Reg, I, I, I mean, Reg is up there screaming into his TV screen, <laughs> wanting us to talk more about the Reds. We've got a full podcast. Almost have barely. Talked about That's the Reds, odds, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they could talk be, about the Reds. Go well. I mean, they could win this game. Um, no, no, they couldn't. They. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're on an upward trajectory. The Reds uh, I mean. They, they oh, sorry, also, almost beat the Blues. They almost beat the Waratahs. You, they're, yeah. they're not they're not as hopeless as they were in the first two weeks. I'm sorry, that wasn't me trying to put down the Reds as much to say that the Highlanders are
0: just looking bloody good. Yeah,
1: the Highlanders will feast off the Reds' mistakes. They, they, they'll they do that box-kicking, box-kicking. Uh, Poor old Edo Nabuli and, and whoever, you know, if it's Chris Sartier on the other wing, it will just be peppered all night with box-kicks. And, and Aaron Smith, I mean, will just run. Right, but I don't know. You, you, I'm... I'm I'm much
0: keener on this Reds team now than I was three weeks ago. Right, because they're playing the Highlanders. And we hope they, we, you know, we'd obviously hope they beat them. Look, and that, that's the other thing that kind of pisses me off about some of these Kiwi teams. is They've got these reputations of being these awesome attacking outfits. And then you yeah. say, look, they just don't play with the ball. They yeah. just say like, you well, know, the Highlanders we'll, do. Yeah, know, we'll just we'll, we'll just wait until you just, you know, give it to our back 3 in the wrong part of the field and boom you're done. Um we'll do that three or four times a game and it's over. Yeah. And plus we've got a decent kicker where you guys don't. Um Yeah, but even the Highlanders have been,
1: Highlanders have been getting lucky bounces and they've been chipping and they've been stuffed. What's like five tries off kicks in the past 3 weeks. Um and Oh, look, I'm down on them. Yeah, you won the title. Good on you, Highlanders. Good on you. But really, I mean... That <laughs> Didn't entertain How you does like the Tusk did, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like 2014 like, was really the year for Super Rugby. Last year was... All like cool. ash in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, anything to
0: add to the Reds?
2: Uh, no, look, I, I, I'm You're probably also winning. smoking
0: crack and think the Reds could possibly win it. No,
2: my sentiment's <laughs> with you, Matt. I, 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 I see it uh, too tall in order. I think, the, um, as you said, Hugh, the, the, the kick and the, the bounce of the ball is is flying with the Highlanders and New Zealand teams, for that matter, in terms of that. And I think, uh, I think unfortunately, the Reds will... I think they're, they're going to pull out a number of really positive things from this game, um, and I, I think that's going to you know, enable their season to continue to, to develop the learnings that it needs to under this interim coaching situation. But, um, yeah, I do think the Highlands have pipped them by oh, probably 15. Yeah, okay.
0: And then, so, can I move on now? Is that okay? Yeah. we talk about the Reds enough? <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, Sharks hosting the Lions, and then we've got the Kings um, with the Bulls both early in, in Sunday morning. Um, and that's the week, guys. That's uh, it. So, look, I'm starting to feel also that um, we touched on the Wallabies team. We should probably start talking. Maybe, maybe next week we'll start talking about some... Yeah, rough well,
1: squads. Tickets go yeah. on sale, I think, for the for the Wallabies games against England. Um, I think tomorrow, so it'll be Wednesday. Um, so have a look out um, there because I think the, I mean, how good is this, how good is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, the England, the Six Nations champs against, uh, you know, the best Wallabies team we've had in five or six years. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that will be a great, packed, rugby you know, playing SFS, yeah. playing Small you know, grounds. smaller grounds. Um, the well, Holmes will be out for a stinging from
0: revenge. It's going to be great. Well, I will say so Eddie I, Jones, I've made it managed to get in there and um, you, look, if you can't find somebody with a pre-sale code, um, I'm sure you probably could if you tried hard enough. Um,
2: Matt, do you have a pre code? Uh,
0: you could say that. I couldn't possibly comment. Um, <laughs> and then Wait, you, You'll be in the chairman's lounge, though, won't you? will be up in the box somewhere, <laughs> yeah, won't you? I'll be dangling. I'll be raining uh, pre yeah. codes down on, on, on all of you down there. No, so I went in there, no, and I bought 90-buck seats, okay, again, behind the goalpost. I'm getting used to this, the, behind the goalposts, um, in the gold brigade. So ninety bucks yeah in the gold brigade. We'll get in the gold brigade, everyone. I mean, that, that,
1: I think I'll, I'll have to get on that as well because that'll be the place to be. Dress and against code to
2: palms. You couldn't get any better than being behind the goalpost. Yeah, know,
0: so. yeah. Dress code is full retard. Total gold. Yeah, um, that's the way it's gonna. That's the, that's the way it's gonna be. So like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna be there. So get on board uh, and get some tickets. But I think yeah, that's the only thing's going to be is you know. As I looked at those tickets, I thought yeah, because I'm I'm going up to Brizzy. I'm gonna I'm gonna see it there, um, and then I'm gonna take the the the, the boy. Um, to the SFS, I mean, to, yeah, what a night, that'll be fantastic. I'm kind of like, can not be bothered going to ANZ to... You know the blood is low for the blood. The yeah, well, out. I
1: think it will depend if we beat England three 0 and all of a sudden we're looking good. If there's a sniff of victory in the air, <laughs> then I think I'll be out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll the, be no. exactly.
0: I think it's going to be a late filler, right? It will be like we'll be waiting to see. I don't think they're getting a lot of early sales on that one. I think the yeah the game. Will start
1: but I was right. reluctant last year as well, and then we won and it was a great night. Oh, so, that was yeah, awesome. that, that's That's the thing. So it. I think you know yeah. if there's any chance that we might win the game, I think I'll, I'll definitely be there. Okay, indeed, good one. All
0: right, boys. Well, look, thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for everybody uh, for downloading yeah. as usual. For, thanks for all the guys who sent in your burning questions. Um, they really helped us actually when we were sitting down today and trying to think through what is it that people are thinking about. So um, get hold of us in any of the usual ways. Twitter, at Gagger, on the Facebook page, on the actual post where the last week's podcast was. There was quite a chat that happened on the podcast post uh, yeah. this week, which is really good to see. Um, thanks to our sponsors, Sporpal. Like I say, it's not just for pro rugby teams anymore. If you've got a Subbies rugby club and you need some talent, it's a great place to go and check out. Um, And if you're looking for some sort of like a rugby working vacation type thing, it's, you know, it's a great place for you as well. And it's free if you're, if you're a player. So get on there and have a look. Thanks for everybody who had a go on the, uh, on the Facebook page, we'll have to check out. And, uh, yeah, we had about 100, 100,
1: 100 people on average watching okay. so, um, throughout. So yeah, we'll check out. Nice and only 60 or 70 of them were relatives. So <laughs> I think we will be okay. <laughs>
0: okay, well, so thanks, guys, and thanks for joining us, and we'll um, see you next week. Oh, What's our so we didn't talk about uh, Uh, you know what 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 the sign off was tagline We'll have to keep that working so the interim one I'm going to go back to is um, thanks for letting us come in your eyes and thanks for letting us come in your ears and we'll uh, see you next week. Right there, right there.